I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Billers, 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 Outfranchising. Billers, 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 Outfranchising. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. I am your host, Kristen Shalmetsy. And today for Word on the Street, we'd like to answer some questions from our audience. One question in particular. And that question comes in as, do you have to be a millionaire to start a franchise? Well, the answer is absolutely not. I know I certainly wasn't. So let's talk about how do we fund franchises? How do we get enough money together, not only for the franchise fee, but you also have to think about the working capital that is needed. When you look at buying a franchise, you'll see there's that franchise fee and then there's a working capital, um, often talked about in item seven. So you also want to make sure that you have enough money until you truly have a point of break even. And those points are not truly clear to you, except for by your best speculation when you're doing your business plan. So let's talk about the next step. The first place I would look to get money for a franchise is to your savings account. Now, not everybody has that kind of money sitting around, and I certainly get it. However, we do have a lot of people coming out of corporate America today who have taken buyouts. So this would be a great place to look. Secondly, I would tell you, you always have an opportunity to use what's called a 401k rollover. This allows you to use your retirement funds to fund your franchise and to pay yourself back. Now, the conversation is far too long to get into the nitty gritty of this deal. However, I will tell you that we have talked to Benetrends and numerous other lending partners on the show. You can go back and reference uh, and they will explain a lot of this to you. You have to make sure in this case that you are a C-Corp. You cannot be an S-Corp or an LLC. The next place I would say that you could take a look is the equity in your home. This is all also a great place to take a look, providing again that you're being able to swing the payments when those loans come due. Uh, another place I would say to look at is obviously the SBA. That's what they're there for, small business loans. Their interest rates aren't exactly perfect, um, but you know they're not bad either. They're kind of going rate plus about 2%. Um, so you can take a look at the SBA loans. A great company to use for that would be um, Fund My Franchise, Benetrends, both really great partners of the Pillar Show. And um, second, you or not second, but last but not least, let's say, you can take a partner. And taking a partner can be very easy or it can be very tricky. And a lot of that depends on the way you define the terms, roles and responsibilities, and how far you're going to do this venture with a partner. Is it simply borrowing the money until you pay it back? Are there certain payment terms in the length of the um, ongoing months of the loan? What does that look like? What is the interest rate the person would charge you? Or is this going to be a partner who's not only financial, but perhaps an operating partner? So a lot of good questions to ask there when you're looking to get a partner. So again, equity, 401k uh, rollover, SBA loans, your savings account, and taking a partner are the top five that I can think of ways to get money to buy a franchise. And again, no, you do not need to be a millionaire to start a franchise. I hope you enjoy the show today. Hey, franchise owners, how is your local marketing? 
Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. This afternoon I have with me Matt Lyons with Disaster Blaster in Scranton, Pennsylvania. How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you? Good. Do people always say, oh, Scranton, that's where the office is filmed? You know, it, it's funny, uh, but our Disaster Blaster actually had a magnet on the fridge on the office. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, as soon as I saw Scranton, I'm like, I don't know anything about Scranton except for that's where they have the office. Yeah. <laughs> so well, We're welcome. famous for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They put you on the map, you know. Mm -hmm. So welcome to Pillars of Franchising. We want to talk about your emerging brand, Disaster Blaster. I was on your website and you guys do a lot of different stuff. So let's talk a little bit about it. And, uh, you know, how did you guys come up with this brand? I, I know we talked a little bit before. I'd like you to share with our guests. Um, it's, it's well, the franchise piece is emerging. The brand itself is not. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. So I've been in the restoration industry, uh, my father and I, for 28 years. Uh, so we have a tremendous amount of experience uh, doing what we do. Uh, and about 18 years ago, we decided that we wanted to uh, address some, you know, different aspects of the restoration space to kind of tweak things and make things a little bit better. And that's kind of what led to the Disaster Blaster brand. So we've been operating Disaster Blaster as a brand uh, locally here in Pennsylvania for about 18 years. Okay. Uh, and we're really excited to, to bring it to the rest of the country. That's awesome. How, how far outside of Pennsylvania have you begun to grow at this point? Uh, we have, we're currently, uh, we currently have franchise territories available in 32 states, uh, Washington, okay. D.C., uh, and in Puerto Rico. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, developing uh, any and all of those places. So I would be happy to, to fly out and, and visit with someone wherever they were. <laughs> well, Puerto Rico sounds like a good place. I could go there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great, uh, a great opportunity for a territory just because of the, the high need for a lot of the things that we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about those things, because it's not just water and mold restoration, right? What are some of the other services that you offer at Disaster Blaster? So one of the things we wanted to tackle with the Disaster Blaster brand is we want it to be a true full service restoration business. Okay. So what we what we saw was was more common in that space was okay you have a water mitigation company and then you know maybe you run across asbestos uh, that's affected by the water damage then you need to get an asbestos abatement company 
Then when you come around to maybe you found a mold problem, you need to hire a mold company. When you find, you know, repairs that might be necessary, now you have to find a contractor. So we're able to take care of each stage of that. So the property owner doesn't have to juggle all of these different trades or contractors. So it's a huge value uh, to to the the property owner as well as the insurance carrier or you know the the home seller when they're they're selling a property different things like that that they just don't have to juggle all of that. Interesting. And so, do you look for people? I see here you also do like biohazard and hoarding cleanup. Now that's a different one you don't always see. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we do biohazard and hoarding cleanup. We do uh, infectious disease disinfection. Uh, pretty much. You know, I always say, you know, if it's in your house and you don't want it there, we have a service yeah. for it. <laughs> so. Yeah, awesome. And meth lab cleanup. Wow. I don't know how you guys get into all that stuff. So do you, are many of these things that you have to um, be certified for? So it does depend on the state. Uh, okay. Some states may have uh, licensing or certification requirements for things like the mold remediation, uh, as an example. Uh, most of our services uh, don't require uh, licensing or certification on a state-by-state basis, uh, okay. with the exception being services like the asbestos abatement uh, or the radon mitigation services. Excellent. Well, I know in states like mine, there's a lot of older homes and asbestos is certainly a big deal. So maybe if you're out in Arizona, it's not such a big deal, but in some of these states certainly is. And I also saw you did radon, which is really cool too, because that happens to be an issue here as well. So your franchisees, your ideal franchisees, do they need to be experienced in some, any or all of these areas? They don't, no. I mean, we we handle all of the training and the support. You know, at the end of the day, we're always going to be available uh, if they run across something that they may have a question or a concern about. The The likelihood is we've already seen it. I mean, in, in 28 years, there's not a lot I haven't dealt with. Uh, sure. So that's what we're here to kind of help them through. Um, but we handle all of the training and and all of the, uh, you know, the, the setup kind of procedures with them. Okay. So say, for example, someone like me, you know, I have general somewhat knowledge of home improvement, but I really don't have any specific skills. Um, are, are you saying you'd be able to, to train me how to do these things? Or what if I didn't necessarily want to be doing the work myself? So uh, one of the things that we wanted to look at from the uh, from the beginning with our franchise uh, system and our model is I feel that when someone purchases a franchise business or, or a business generally, they should be able to expect a business that they're going to be able to operate at least semi-absentee, uh-huh. you know, at, at some point. They should be able to have, you know, production technicians that are out there actually doing the physical work. They should be able to have estimators and project managers that are able to manage the, the day-to-day operations. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's why a lot of the, the planning uh, in our model and in our territory structure went into what's going to allow our franchisees to do that. Uh, so as they hire different staff, we provide training that is able to get them up to speed uh, with different things specific to their uh, their skill set or their job requirements. Okay. And then they're able to kind of get uh, them all up and running and, and uh, performing the work. Okay, great. Well, hopefully, you know, I, I know we... Uh, I'd had some meetings with some folks in my son's graduating class, and there seems to be just nationally a huge 
um, influx now of younger people going into trade schools, which is great. Mm -hmm. because we're kind of at that point where I'm afraid there's not going to be a lot of tradespeople, or we were afraid of that um, coming up here. Are any of these actual trades positions that you need to run this franchise, or can they really all be trained if you're just kind of a general hands-on person? Uh, generally, they can all be trained. Uh, certain industries or certain services, rather, that we do provide, such as the asbestos abatement, will mm -hmm. require the uh, technician to complete uh, licensing with their state, as an example, okay. which is generally about a, a, a week-long course. Uh, but that's where we kind of come in to help our franchisees navigate that sort of a process. Mm -hmm. uh, but the majority of the services are things that they're going to be able to learn as, as they go. Awesome. And I do have a lot of people who are getting out of corporate America that want to be semi-absentee owners. And what would you say is kind of a average time before they can do that? Can they open as a semi-absentee owner or is it a year or so before they kind of can staff it? Yeah, if they have the management team in place, they absolutely can open as a semi-absentee. Um, I think that it makes sense for them to be involved in uh some aspect of the business because they're going to have to be pretty uh, knowledgeable and aware just from the management side of things, sure. you know, but, you know, they'll be completing our training here and, and, you know, they'll be experts in their field once they get back to, to opening their, their location. Excellent. And can you tell us a little bit about what the franchise costs, how you define, I assume you're, you go on territories and such, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So the the uh, the franchise cost ranges from about one hundred and thirty six thousand three twenty uh, to two hundred forty two thousand seven hundred one, uh, okay. which includes the the franchise fee, the equipment package, you know, uh, different things like that. Um, there's effectively two different uh, factors that impact the the fee, the price. Uh, one being the territory size. Okay. Uh, our territories okay. range from about 150,000 to 200,000 population. Uh, we do try to uh, maintain uh, zip codes uh, so we okay. can better manage that. Sure. And then the uh, the number of services that they initially launch with and the equipment that they're going to ultimately need. Wow. So, yeah. So what we had kind of done with that is um, I always tell a story when being a franchisee and, you know, digging around my, my back room and finding a piece of equipment that I didn't even remember what it did anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So what we wanted to do is we, we don't want to require our franchisees to purchase equipment before they're going to need it. So okay. all our equipment packages are broken down by the optional services. So when they launch, they can launch with our, with, you know, effectively all of our services or the core services with adding the optional services later on. Okay. And then that way they don't have to purchase that equipment until they're going to need it. Yeah. Interesting. And then do you kind of recommend to them or do they get to choose which options they begin with? So that's part of the discussions uh, before their, their opening. Uh, we do look at their, uh, their desired territory to see what services are going to be in higher demand. Mm -hmm. uh, because as an example, if, if you're in an area where radon is a, a really, really needed service, uh, it's going to be something that we would generally recommend that they launch with. Okay. Um, but by and large, they can uh, add those optional services as their territory dictates or, or it becomes a need. 
Okay. And what would the day in the life of a franchisee look like? So they're, it's going to depend if they're operating more semi-absentee or, or um, they're a, an owner-operator. Mm -hmm. uh, but effectively, we're here. Uh, Disaster Blaster is there to assist property owners when they have a, a disaster or a, a claim of some sort in their property. So whether it's a pipe break, uh, a mold problem they discover, discover in an attic or a basement, a waterproofing issue, or, you know, asbestos that they've... Sure. Uh, you know, they've recently come across when our disaster blaster locations get a phone call with, you know, from a property owner with a, a need, uh, we're able to immediately uh, jump into gear to get that uh, that process rolling for them. So they would be providing estimates, scheduling the work, uh, getting their production technicians out there to complete the work you know, that, that sort of thing. So we can make sure that their, uh, their life is back to normal as soon as possible. Sure. Okay. What are three of the areas that you think are important for prospective franchisees to look at on your FDD specifically? Uh, I think that anytime that they're, they're going to be looking at the uh, FDD, it's going to be primarily the item six, you know, the item okay. seven, uh, the item 19. Um, one of the things, you know, we're, we're actually very proud of is even through COVID, uh, if you look at our item 19, we grew year over year. Yeah. So it just, it just shows the strength in the, in the brand that we've developed. Absolutely. Well, you bring up a good point with that too. And I think, you know, we, obviously I'm a big fan of service brands because of a lot of the low inventory and things of that nature. But I do think it's important for people to understand you have an essential business here, mm -hmm. right? So even when, you know, COVID or something like that happens, your business doesn't need to close, like say some of the other, you know, more, whether it's a massage or hair salon or those kinds of studios, um, you guys were open through all of it. Yeah, we, we had in Pennsylvania, we had certain services that were impacted, but we were fortunate because a lot of our services, that you, as you said, were, uh, you know, necessities. So- sure we we were able to continue to operate a lot of the services um and we've got a lot of them so yeah. you know we have a lot of ability to kind of lean on you know uh the other opportunities that we we have and, and i mean i know what i see that, that is a differentiator for you but you know if you take some of your big large brands that do rest restoration you guys are new to the game um as an emerging brand what would you say sets you apart from some of the other big players out there? Well, I mean, I think emerging brands are great, especially from the, the franchisee standpoint, because yeah. at, at the end of the day, the emerging brands are the innovators. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones that are that are in that industry now because they found a better way of doing something. And, and that's a lot of what kind of got us uh, on the trajectory that we're on now, because, mm -hmm. you know, we offer... The industry average uh, in our industry is about, you know, four services or so uh, for, for those companies to provide. We're currently at 13 uh, and we're not standing still. We've got two additional services that we're in the process of developing now. So, you know, we're constantly looking at not only how can we provide better value uh, to our customers and to property owners, but how can we provide better value to our franchisees? Sure. I really, I really like 
that you have so many surface services, excuse me. I mean, I think that's very interesting how you allow your franchisees to choose what services they want to offer. Do you worry that that will ever affect um, kind of your brand in general, because they know you as disaster blaster and I'm in Chicago now, but next year I'm down in Florida and you know, that disaster blaster doesn't offer the same services. Does that, does that worry you at all? And say five, 10 years that you've got different locations offering different services, or do you not see that to be an issue? I don't see it too much to be an issue because as they're operating these businesses, our, our services all, um, relate to one another and 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 work very well as as add-on revenue and and opportunities so as our franchises are you know completing things like water mitigation they're going to quickly see that you know they really need to be offering you know mold remediation repairs asbestos you know things like that basement waterproofing because the their customers are going to have a need for those sorts of solutions as well yeah. It's, it's a huge differentiator for our brand and for our, our opportunity that I, I think our franchisees see as they're sure. as developing. Well, and I think what's interesting about this as we talk is, is you really, you start out with two or three things perhaps, and then it, you allow them to scale their businesses by adding not only, you know, do you begin to get brand recognition and brand loyalty, but then you've got additional services that come on. And I think that's very interesting. I I would be very anxious to see what your average unit economics look like in one of those. Are your corporate locations or the ones that you have there in Pennsylvania, do you offer all of these services? We do offer all of the services at our, our local location in Pennsylvania, uh, and it will be the uh, the initial launch of the uh, the new services as we have them uh, ready as well. So, awesome. you know, we're constantly uh, practicing what we preach. <laughs> okay, good. And, and what do you, you know, I know you can't disclose like the margins and things of that nature, but in terms of unit economics, what is expected for these businesses to be able to... Um, to have in sales over the course of a year. Do you have any idea? We're we're very fortunate in our industry that uh first and 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 you know foremost, a lot of the services do have uh pretty good revenue and profit potential. Uh, you know, sure. the margins are generally pretty good. Um, one of the big benefits that that we have uh is because so many of the services work so well together, whereas a uh customer of another uh another brand may have to bring somebody else in to to do x or y we're able to do it all so we have a higher per customer ticket price which you know just contributes further to you know our ability to develop an area uh, as well as the the potential for profit so you know one of the examples i always give is you know when someone has a mold problem let's say they have a mold issue in their basement they're often going to be getting multiple bids for that. You know, that's pretty, pretty common. Uh, Disaster Blaster, when they come in and they give a bid for that is saying, okay, you know, here's the bid for addressing the mold problem. Uh-huh. And here's our bid for addressing the problem that caused the mold problem. Uh-huh. So we're more likely to close that deal because at the end of the day, the property owner doesn't want it to come back either. Yeah. And we now have sold two jobs effectively to a single customer. Right. So 
you know, it, it's a lot of uh, added opportunity. Sure, sure. So let's, um, I'm going to ask you the same question, but differently. Okay. <laughs> if I own one of your competitive brands and my average is $5 million a year in sales. Do you find yours to, to be, I mean, obviously you've got 13 brands. It can't be 13 times the $5 million mark, but do you find your average unit volume to be significantly higher than that? We expect as we expand across the country for that to be, you know, pretty, uh, pretty clearly defined within the item 19. Uh, one of the things that we, we look at is, you know, obviously we're an emerging brand, you know, yep. that provides a lot of additional opportunity uh, for franchisees. As far as uh, revenue potential, you know, they can look at uh, our item 19 to show the, the strength in, in growth yep. that we provide. And then locally, they can look at what competing brands uh, are, are generating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that'll give them a really good uh, idea of what they can expect. And then they can add all of our additional services on top of that. Sure. So once you factor in all of the additional things that they'll be able to, to provide and do, mm-hmm. uh, I think it just makes the opportunity stronger. Yeah, I'm very interested. I mean, you, you see today a lot of umbrella companies go out and they might buy a restoration, but then they buy a mold remediation and they might buy, you know, it's their, so they're buying multiple brands under one umbrella, but you guys are actually one brand with all mm-hmm. of it under you know, that particular brand. So it'll be very interesting to see how well it goes. Obviously, I would think um, somebody down in Florida, the the water and mold is like huge. Mm-hmm. And it, today, really, everywhere you move, there's some kind of disaster that you seem to need to have to clean up. So that's very, very cool. Um, is there anything that you think that people looking at your brand um, should know about maybe your culture or the type of individual in particular that you're looking for? Well, so coming from a pass as a franchisee myself, mm-hmm. one of the things that we wanted to do is have a model and a system that is truly franchisee friendly. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of our thought went into that process. You know, we're going to, we provide the support that I wish I had had. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's very much the, the mentality here. When our franchisees come to their, uh, their training uh, at our, our corporate location, they're actually learning uh, from people that do this every day. So they're not learning estimating from someone that learned it in a book. They're learning it from an estimator that does that every day. Okay. So there's, there's a huge value to that because mm-hmm. they can pick up a phone call uh, or, you know, pick up the phone and call uh, us for support at any time and yeah. reaching someone that understands the problem that they're having and can guide them through it. Sure. Um, and I think that's just huge. I, I really do. And how would you describe the culture of your company? We're we're a family. Um, I work with my, my father every day. Uh, we haven't killed each other yet. So... <laughs> You did throw yeah. your word yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that a lot of it is, you know, small business, you know, franchise ownership. A lot of that is family uh, run. You yeah. know, your kids are getting involved in the business. Your, you know, your, your significant other, maybe. So that's a big part of what franchising is uh, mm-hmm. to me. 
And we do the same thing here. So we understand what, what they're trying to build and sure. we want to help them do it. And when we talk about the avatar of the potential franchisee that I might be helping find your brand, can you tell me, are you looking for more of a corporate C-suite individual? Are you looking for what, what kind of person fits that model the best, would you say? I think a lot of it comes down to mentality. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're stepping in, at, you know, Disaster Blaster steps in and helps people when they're at their worst. They've had a fire, they've had a pipe break, a hurricane, you know, you know, went through and they've got significant property damage. You've got to be compassionate, caring, and you have to really, really enjoy helping people because that's what you do every day. Yeah. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know that you're going to leave someone's life better for it. And yeah. that's a lot of what, you know, uh, we do here. And a lot of what I think uh, the ideal franchisee, uh, you know, looks for, because sure. you can build a lot of different, you know, businesses, um, you know, but not all of them uh, give you the opportunity to feel as good as ours does. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because um, when I was, 16 years ago, looking at a franchise, my consultant had recommended a restoration one. And I thought, oh my gosh, I do not want to have to walk into a flooded or burned down house, all that stress, all that pressure. And then I had talked to somebody a few years ago that, that owns a restoration company. And they said, oh my gosh, it's the best feeling in the world because they're like, yeah, you're here. We're so mm -hmm. glad to have you. And I'm like, really? Like, I didn't think about the fact that you appear as like this angel there to save them, not... Yeah you know, the bad guy who has to come in and say, here's what it's going to cost. And from an operator perspective, most of these jobs wind up being insurance jobs. Is that right? A lot of them. Yeah. So uh, many of our services, the fire damage, the, the water damage uh, mitigation, those are absolutely going to primarily be insurance uh, claims. Okay. And you know, we're able to to help them with pretty much anything that they they run across from, uh, you know, mitigation and drying to uh, structural or content uh, cleaning or restoration or deodorization. So when we do arrive, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, they're waiting with bated breath, you know, for <laughs> us to, to get there to help them put their life back together because- yeah. Everything starts once we're able to kind of get there and, and get the, the process moving. Wow. I think that's awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to hear about your expansion. And is there one one market that you'd really like to get into quickly? Um, our, our top markets uh, are uh, Florida, uh, Texas, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Okay. Uh, and that's largely because we recognize the high need that those those markets do have for our um, our services. You know, obviously the storm damage uh, needs in Texas and Florida, you know, uh, are are significant, uh, and and we're able to because of the diversity of services uh, do more. So yeah. that's a lot of what we're kind of uh, eager to to help those areas with as well. That's awesome. Well. Matt, I thank you so much for your time today. How can our listeners and viewers get in touch with you if they're interested in the opportunities that you have to offer, aside from calling us here at Pillars? Sure. Uh, they can uh, visit our website at www.disasterblaster.com. Uh, they can give us a call at uh, 302 
242-1042, or they can email us at franchising at disasterglasser.com. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see what the brand does and we'll certainly be following you and putting you on our blog and things so that you know more and more people can learn about the brand and your culture and all the great opportunities that you have to offer. I look forward to talking to you again and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Pillars of Franchising today. I'd like to give a special shout out to Jerry Akers, Karen Kimsey Sword. Ray Pillar, Laura Liss, our franchise lawyer, Andrea Mundy, and a special thank you to Fred McMurray, our producer. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. And remember, we are your resource for franchising success. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. Have a great week.